Hello, welcome to the Nameless Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Adams. I say nameless loosely because we really haven't named the podcast, but one of the things for me is I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time, and I wasn't going to let the name um, deter me from uh, getting this taken care of. So I do know a couple of things. Number one, business is what we do. It's not who we are. There are kind of three things that we're going to be talking about on this podcast. Number one is going to be clarity, making sure we understand what our businesses do. Number two, culture. And then number three, the commitment that we need to be doing as business owners to create that that environment. And I think culture is a bit cliche. And one of the things that I want to do is put together this podcast to really bring in customers, bring in vendors, talk to our employees about what our culture is that sets us apart in the marketplace. And when you, when you get it, it becomes really, really powerful. So with that said, this episode, uh, is with our help desk lead. Well, actually former help desk lead, Chez Lenars. I'm super excited to have him. The conversation was fantastic. And as I kind of talk about in the podcast, he was a risky hire for us. Um, And we kind of go through the process of what his interview was like and how he has grown both as a person and as a technician in our environment, in our culture. And quite frankly, Shez has been a part of creating the culture. Um, We talk about some of the books that we've uh, read together as a team. Uh, We talk about Excellence Wins, the book by um, Horst Schultz, who was the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton. We talk about the book um, Leadership and Self-Deception, written by the Arbinger Institute. Uh, We kind of go through both of those books and the things that he has learned, things that we've learned together as a team, what we've done to uh, create the culture that we have, and examples of, of how that's worked in our organization. And then the third book we talk about is Extreme Ownership. The really cool thing about that book is I asked Shez to pick the book and to lead the organization in going through that. And we kind of work through the template uh, of what we do to, we just don't read the book and then do a Q&A at the end. It's, It's a little bit more involved in that. It's a little bit more intense, which creates a lot of authenticity and a lot of conversation. And I think it just really helps us grow together as, as a team to help provide a high level of customer service. And one of the things that you're going to hear from me over and over again, really at the end of the day for us business, it's about relationships. People will say in their organizations about relationships, but it really is probably more on the transaction side. So um, here he is. Uh, I hope you enjoy the interview. Shez Lenars. Thanks. Hello, shows. Hey, boss man. Hey, uh, tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Uh, I am Shez. Um, the uh, Shez. The Shez. Um, currently, I am a red team member here at Smatatech. Um, um, and I've been here just going on five years. It'll be five years this November. How's the last five years been? Uh, it's it's been awesome. It's been yeah. different. It's been a roller coaster. I think. What was it like uh, when we interviewed you five years ago? So I, I like to claim that I have the uh, the most fun interview process. So uh, 
I think I was working with Justin at Verizon for a month and he had uh, taken a job here and I was looking to get out of the Verizon space. Um, so he put me in you know, contact with you. We, uh, we met and you actually took me on a visit with a client you were trying to win over mm-hmm. on essentially a sales call. Um, so I don't think there was a lot of... Uh, Extendobed. Extendobed, yep. Extendobed being me. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. Uh, we're going to have Troy from Extendobed uh, on the on the podcast. Oh, he's going to be on? Yeah, he just uh, sold his company. So I think we're, I asked him to come in and talk about what it was like to, you know, to sell because most small business owners, you know, they don't have a concept of valuation or what that entire process goes. So um, you know, and, and Troy loves to hang out with us. So he's going to, he's going to kind of come on. So Troy's a good dude. how long did we interview you? So you inter- so I was with you that day for about three hours and we talked a lot on the drive there, the drive back. Um, and then I think there was about a month, about 30 days between, um, you asking me to come in one more time, can I have one final sit down and then offered me the job. What was your IT experience? None. Zero. Zero. Do you think that had anything to do with my apprehension about bringing you on? Absolutely. I think I was a risky hire. <laughs> and why do you think we did hire you, though? I think, um, well, I think... You get to brag about yourself a little bit yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty great. No, uh, I think a big part of it was, uh, you know, that first interview process. It was just interacting with people, kind of talking. Um, I didn't know much about IT. I didn't know much about small businesses. So I think just being able to navigate conversations with Doug, Troy... Um, and then we did talk a lot about me as a person. So I think a big mm-hmm. deal, you know, you, you knew that I was looking to start a career. Um, and I was, I think I was pretty driven and pretty um, persistent in telling you, hey, I want to start growing and learning something. I don't want to continue working in sales and retail and not, um, I guess, you know, honing in on my craft and developing skills. So uh, I think it was just who I was as a person and the, those interactions kind of with people I didn't know and with you. Kind well, of stood out. <laughs> okay, okay. So what we're going to tie this back in. There's a lot of juicy stuff there that I want to talk about. Number one, how do you think that ties into what our vision statement is? What is our vision statement? Uh, technology is what we do, not who we are. I think it's everything. I, right. I think it's the whole thing. Um, you know, we have a lot of technical guys here, um, but the biggest thing is who we are when dealing with you know mm. technology. I, right. I think it's the whole thing. Yeah. So the thing for us is we didn't hire for your technical ability. We hired because of the person that you are. Right. And, uh, I was right, <laughs> obviously, because you kind of lasted five years and so kind of take me through where you started and then kind of how we moved you through the company to where you are today and whether or not you would, you know, have thought you were sitting in the desk and with the responsibilities that you thought you had today. Cause I think it's a powerful story. Yeah, I think so. I don't think at the time I thought I'd be where I am right now. Yeah, I can definitely say that, say that. So, uh, when you brought me on, um, you know, Justin made it pretty clear to me and to you, hey, this guy's got no technical background. I wasn't a, wasn't a home lab type of guy either. So I think... Um, did you even have a gaming computer yet? I did not. Oh, boy. I, I think That's I a whole nother... We, we got to <laughs> stay on track here. I think I was using a Chromebook. But uh, yeah, so I kind of started and the thought was that I was going to do a lot of our field stuff, a lot of our on-site work. And then as it got um, more advanced, I'd loop in Justin and kind of, you know, I'd be his smart hands and he would be remote kind of... Um, doing the work. Um, so I think I did that for a year or two and I, I got to the point I was doing a good job managing a lot of it on my own. Um, and then as we started to grow, I think Justin wasn't able to take all of the calls and tickets we were obviously getting. And then, so just for, for, uh, kind of context, you know, how many calls were we taking a day? So me and Justin differ on this. I think there was days it was two or three. 
he claims five to eight. Um, but they were, I, I would say two calls a day, maybe. Yeah. And so today we're taking, Oh, it's 30 to 50 depending on the day. Yeah. Yeah. Monday is a little bit higher than, uh, you know, Friday afternoon probably yep. won't be taking too many tickets today, you know, Friday before labor day. That's right. Uh, and then kind of what do we hover around in our total help desk queue? Uh, we sit usually 60 to a hundred open tickets. Yep. Um, open for us is different for other places. We, we do a lot of like project work. We, um, I like to say we see stuff through too. Yeah. Um, but I'd say, yeah, we, we receive anywhere from 30 to 50 tickets a day as well. Yeah. Um, on top of the phone calls. So, and, and so we had Justin, uh, we, we did Justin's five year two. Uh, I haven't seen that yet, but, um, so I don't want to talk about some of the same things, but how important is our ticketing system? It's huge. Um, it's our, it's our communication piece. That's how we, um, that's how we obviously made, are made aware of issues and projects. That's also how we reach out to people to check in on, you know, previous deployments and whatnot. It is it's what funnels everything through Smatitech is is the ticketing system. How does uh, the ticket uh, t- or ticketing system hold us accountable? Um, I think the way we use it with the visibility. So there there is different groups, obviously, because things go to different people. But everyone has visibility into that. Um, so sometimes, you know, um, we. Have, we haven't mentioned that yet. I was the help desk lead for about a year, year and a half. Um, sometimes the guys were checking in on my tickets to see how I'd handle things. And sometimes they'd catch, Hey, remember you have that appointment today at 8am and I, Oh, thanks for the reminders. Yep. Things like that. So just, uh, it's never trying to get someone. I think it's just kind of always trying to make sure everyone's on top of their stuff. And, uh, a lot of the time it's to learn, you know, it was me looking at Justin's, how does he communicate, you know, with, this client versus this one, or how does he get this point across when maybe someone's not understanding it? Um, I think that trickled down to the guys under me. Um, and then obviously the, the new employees we've, we've brought in, it's that whole, um, culture, culture. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which we're going to get to, because I want to talk about one of the big things that we've done here in our organization and talking about, uh, some of the books that we've read. Um, so, so the ticketing system holds us accountable. I think it's interesting that it holds us accountable to the customer, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I think the issue is, and I'm not going to get into it because I got it highlighted in the book here, but uh, just a little foreshadowing is the fact that accountability is everything, right? And one of the things that we've really done here is the fact that if it's a traditional IT or MSP, and it's been happening for you know, five, 10, 15 years, we're really looking at that saying, okay, why is that happening? And is that in the best interest of the customer? Mm-hmm. And I think most, most often it is not in the best interest of the customer. And what the ticketing system is, I mean, how many times, not here at Smatatech, right? But for you personally, have sent a ticket out to someone that you needed help with and, and got no response. Weekly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. the, it's the standard, right? And so for us, people love sending tickets into us because why? Within 30 minutes, you're getting a human responding to you, you know, asking about the yep. issue or asking to resolve it. I mean, and that's part of our, uh, one of our missions for blue team, right? Our help desk is the fact that, listen, we're answering the phone call and within three rings and respond to every, t- I say 29 minutes, <laughs> the threshold, just so everyone's clear is 30 minutes, 29, I think sounds, you know, kind of catch you. you got a one minute buffer we usually beat 29 so <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's the that's the maximum right and so um so i think accountability uh one to our customers one to each other um 
really ties into kind of the culture that we built here. Okay. So I just want to go through this time frame again, right? So you came on to us, kind of worked for two years. We we probably had what four guys, I think maybe four. maybe three, yeah. And so we were kind of growing, but um, really putting a lot of stuff, you know, kind of in the pipeline. So where did we move you to next? When did you become team lead? So I became a team lead, um, not last summer, the summer before. So we're still in our old office. Um, so I think two years ago, actually. Coming out of COVID? Coming out of COVID, yep. yep. Um, and I think that was, we were just getting, you know, the volume of the requests we were getting and then the size of the team, we kind of were starting to see that we needed someone to help coordinate or um, kind of delegate and kind of just make sure. Oversee? Every, yep, oversee. Yep. yep. Make sure resources were getting allocated the right way. Now, did we have a team lead before that? We did not, no. No, so we had to create that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea how the hell this thing was going to roll and... <laughs> You're going to be the team lead. Figure it out. I think that's word for word, almost what you said. <laughs> yeah, and I, which, which is kind of normal for me. <laughs> um, how do you think that's worked out for us? I think it worked out really well. Who's sitting behind you now? Because you're not in team lead anymore. I'm not. Yeah. So Jeremy now is taking over team lead. Mm-hmm. I think Jeremy's success in that position is based on what you created to help you know with all that documentation. Mm-hmm. No way he's sitting at that desk doing what he's doing right now, had he not had a predecessor like you coming through and building that up from the ground? Because it really was your desk. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, yep. the buck stopped with you. I mean, And the thing for us is um, that is the foundation of our business, our help desk, right? People have problems, and they want to call in, right? If it's an emergency, they call in. If it's not an emergency, typically they send in you know, an email. But they need it resolved, Right. Technology is so complicated anymore, as you know. Right. I mean, think about all the questions that we get on the desk. They're asking the questions and sometimes we don't necessarily know what the answer is. We just understand how the whole process works and we can kind of dig into it and get a little bit faster. Technology is complicated and and there's so many intertwined things together. When that's not working, something breaks, breaks three things that creates what we call downtime downtime yep. right and downtime is a killer for organizations whether that's the internet whether that's a switch whether that's a wi-fi is not working whether they can't scan can't print everyone hates printers <laughs> you know uh, you know all of these things yeah even mice yep mice and keyboard that's what i was about to say any of it i mean it stopped yeah stops stops work stops productivity how do you think the the trust with our customers is it's it's incredible. I, I was going to use the word insane. There's some, you know, there's some customers that is, we brought a new one on recently and I, I kind of was joking with Justin that we have these meetings with uh, potential clients and they always go super well, I, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but you have people that they want to understand the recommendations we're making, whether it's to remove equipment, add equipment, um, change a process. Um, in the most recent one we brought in, we've worked with her before and I don't think we had to convince her on anything. I think she just came in and said, I need you to tell me what we need and what we don't. Oh, need. you're talking about Ashley. I'm talking about Ashley. <laughs> we got to get Ashley on here. <laughs> I'm talking about Ashley, and it just. I'm, I'm plugging. Um, we're gonna make sure we get Ashley tagged on this thing so she can see that we're calling her out. Yeah, and that's the one that kind of most recently, at least, struck me as it was just such a. And I mean, she definitely needed some help on the IT side, I think. Um, but it was just a hey, here's what I'm dealing with. I know it's a mess. Will you guys just kind of help me clean it up? And you know, there's there's the pricing and making sure everything you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have to be in alignment with the, yeah. with the with the uh, market, right? I mean, but the the pricing, the technical side of it, is not why people are hiring us. Uh, and I don't even think she brought it up. I think it was a, 
you know, we'll, we'll deal with that as it comes, but I just need to know what we need to do to move the ball forward. Um, and I was joking with Justin James, it was such an easy meeting cause there yeah. was no convincing. It was, uh, just reaffirming already what we do. Um, it was cool. Yeah. It makes you feel good. Well, <laughs> we have the same thing going on with Steve, Steve, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, another one of our executives, uh, moving on to another, uh, company and already plugging this. In fact, that as soon as I get in and get my feet wet, then, you know, we're bringing you guys on because quote unquote, you guys make my life so much easier. And that's really what the help desk does. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's, I think a lot of people when, cause we have this on our website, we put it in our marketing materials and we do whatever. I think because of the nature of marketing and all of its bullshit and hyperbole and, and you know, all the things, People just look at that, or you know, potential clients just look at it and say, "Fuck!" I mean, sorry, did I say that again? <laughs> Dang. And anyway, uh, it's, just, it's like just total bullshit, yeah. right? And the thing for us is when we get clients in here, and we bring them in here, right? We built this office because I wanted to bring clients in here because I want them to see what their IT department looks like. I mean, this is their IT department. Yeah, it's a team. It's a it's a full team. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, we had uh, Kevin and Tommy in here, right, from Michigan. And you can't tell me that Tommy was not like, holy shit, oh, he I was. need this. I think he spent a lot of time in front of the, the monitoring TVs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Russ and Brian uh, oh, were in here, the, you know, the other day too. And But we spent – we're very intentional uh, with what we're doing. Okay, so – uh, you didn't know shit from Shinola, right? We brought you on because you're an incredible person. We, we can put you in front of any customer, right? I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the apprehensions that I have before we started to change the interview process is, you know, does our blue team, does our help desk, uh, can a CEO or a C-suite uh, executive call into the help desk and do I have the confidence in the help desk that they're going to take care of them with the most excellence uh, to get that done? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. Right. I mean, Jesse can call in, Chad can call in, Steve can, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? They get treated, you know, kind of the same way. Um, okay. So you went from nothing, no, knowing nothing to running, <laughs> running our entire uh, uh, nucleus, right? Um, the heart and soul of our company to where you at now? So now I'm sitting in, um, I guess, at any other IT company, it would be considered a level two role. So I kind of deal with that. I would say level three. Level three, probably. Yeah. yeah. I um, mean, our level, our level one, we don't call it, we don't, it's not we don't one. degrade, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, our level one. one is not level one. Yeah. Just, I, just so we're clear about that. Yeah, I know you're, you're 100% right. So I'm, I kind of sit in an escalation path now. Yep. Um, so primarily, you know, tickets that get, you know, that are longstanding that, you know, Blue Team needs some assistance with. Um, but I'd say primarily it's a project kind of role right now. So yep. um, anything with deadlines or anything that's kind of high priority, um, you know, there's there's time and materials put into it. I'm kind of a just a resource for James and Justin Yeah, um, on that side. And you spend a lot of time on our voice network? I do spend a lot of time on our voice network. Yeah, most <laughs> of our customers don't even know we're a full telephone company. Yep. Yeah, UC Forge. Um, okay, so that's cool. So that's where you're sitting right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to reference your journey in our organization, because I think it's really, really powerful for a story to tell. And that's why I was like, we got to get Shez in here to talk about this because um, one of the things for me is I'm a big culture guy, right? And I think a lot of companies struggle with scalability because they haven't built the right foundation from a cultural standpoint 
to manage what that growth looks like, right? I think a lot of companies got crushed during COVID because they had such an influx of business and they didn't have any processes that could scale. They had processes, but as you know, like I like to ask, right? I mean, I don't like workarounds. I don't like hacks. You know, if if we have to make something work, right, we call them audibles. We have mm-hmm. to call an audible. The thing for us is, okay, can we scale that audible? Yep. And sometimes we can, sometimes we can't, but we sit down and we look at it, right, through our our natural feedback loops, which we're going to get to in one of the books, um, and evaluate what that is. Because if it's not scalable, then why the hell are we doing it? Yep. All right. Scalable is everything, right? We, we already know, and you're a part of this, uh, a year ago, we were trying to figure out how are we going to scale the help desk, right? And we came up with, you know, the concept of pods. Yep. And we're working through, we already know what our second pod looks like and what our third pod looks like, right? We're going to have Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie. Yep. And we kind of have geared and put together leadership roles for, you know, those guys sitting on our blue team right now know that they're going to be leads going into that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think when you create that vision for the guys, and I think you're a part of that, I think that gets them really excited about where we're going. I agree. I think it gives them kind of a, a North star of a sense to look what to work towards or what, yeah. what potential options are here. Yeah. You know, moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's where we get to have those conversations about, listen, I'm here answering these phone calls right, to get better. So when I'm called up, right, to be the Bravo team, you know, lead, I'm ready to do that, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm grinding right now. And I always kind of go back to kind of the athlete that's sitting on the team that's not getting a lot of playing time, that's not getting, you know, from a, from a high school varsity sport, right? Maybe they're a sophomore. They're not getting a lot of playing time, but they got to put in the work. So when they get called up, someone gets hurt, right? Someone gets sick. Someone has a problem with grades or whatever it is that they can step in and fill that role. Yeah, ready to perform. Yeah, yeah. next man up, right? I you know, hear that you know, term all the time too. So, uh, okay, let's before we get into all, what the three books are, talk to me about how important from a cultural standpoint ha- it has been for us to read leadership development books as a team. Well, huge. And one thing I think that's uh, <laughs> the biggest thing about it is I don't think there's other places really doing that. Um, you scroll through LinkedIn, you see people posting books, and it's usually their marketing teams, their sales teams. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of companies that have someone, you know, where the president is sitting down with the guy that's been here two weeks and discussing a book as a team, um, kind of going over, you know, I got this concept from this chapter, you know, versus what someone else got. Um, but it's huge. I mean, the first book we read that, that we're going to go over, Excellence mm-hmm. Wins, mm-hmm. Um, I think that one is a big backbone of how we um, operate and make decisions when you're, you know, out of town or you're not, um, available. Justin's not available. I think a lot of the, a lot of the leadership on the help desk, actually, that how I would navigate situations and make, make decisions was excellence wins. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's powerful, you know, for, for that, it helped develop a process or a a way of thinking for leaders. Um, but then also to just kind of see the similarities, um, because most of them tie back to a business or, um, are dealing with businesses to kind of see that everyone runs into the same problems. Um, the question is, are you trying to get better? Are you just kind of acknowledging, okay, hey, this is a pain. This is just how we do it. We know it's a problem. We're going to deal with it. Um, whereas these books kind of create a, like you said, a feedback loop of, oh, they have a similar issue and they, they tackled it with this kind of a, you know, solution or, you know, vice versa. I think it, 
one, it, it gives us ideas, but two, it also just kind of creates a, a constant loop of thinking and it analyzing, evaluating, um, because that's what the books are for. They're, yeah. They're to get better. Yeah. And I think it kind of puts us all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're going to kind of talk about how we read the books together, kind of what the format is. And the fact that we had you, you led, uh, the discussion for our last book with, uh, Jocko Wilnick's, uh, extreme ownership, yep. which, uh, is running right, right here, which is kind of, you One know, of kind favorites. of interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay. So let's talk about excellence wins, right? So for, for you people, uh, they're not familiar with it. Here's the book. Um, Horst Schultz is the, uh, co-founder of the Ritz Carlton. And I'm telling you, I think there's a lot of similarities to what we do here that, that made the Ritz Carlton successful. And I think it's an, a point to make is the fact that, um, just because it was going on in the hotel industry, uh, doesn't mean that those big concepts can be rolled out to other industries. And we've, we've taken those concepts and roll them out into technology. Yeah. Right. So what kind of, what was your big takeaway with, uh, excellence wins? Uh, excellence wins. There's, there's a couple, I think the biggest one for me is, um, and it's kind of the one I mentioned a little bit is, uh, they go over a big, you know, you have hotel managers and then you have all your staff. You maybe have a kitchen manager, a front desk manager, um, you're not always going to have someone to make a call for you when you have a upset uh, guest or, you know, customer, whatever it may be. Um, and something that kind of go over in excellence wins is you have to create, um, you have to empower oh, employees throughout the organization. Dude, people, you need to write down that word empower. We talk about empowerment a lot around here. Yeah. Um, and that's probably, that's the word that, you know, kind of the concept we got the most from that book is he really puts an emphasis on, you know, whether you're, you know, housekeeping and you're cleaning up a room and you, you know, th- that guest is leaving and they're upset about something you're empowered with a set amount of money, a set amount of resources to make the situation better, to make the customer happy. Right. Um, and it's a little different the way we use it in our organization, but that concept is, a, I mean, you hammer that home all the time. How are you going to know what decision to make? If you're put in this situation, you're out in the field, you're out of state, um, versus me being there or someone else. And it's kind of a, it's discussing it all the time. Hey, when we, when we deal with this, I want you to know I'm confident in you making that call. Um, so I'd say empowering employees to feel like they have a, a choice, a decision to make. Um, choice is another great word. And choice is a good one. Um, and then the other part of it too is that, you know, something they discussed the Ritz Carlton, such a classy hotel, you mm. know, the way, the way the staff dresses, the way they, they speak to you as a guest, ladies um, and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we have, we have jokes with clients. We, you know, we talk to certain clients a little different. Maybe we've known them for a while, but, um, that, that comes from us being professional at all times. Um, and not professional in the way of being rigid or, you know, ah, arrogant, but just, you know, we respect you. We want to help you. Um, and I think eventually that's what creates those relationships. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Some of the, some of the, the words I would use to describe the help desk, uh, definitely are not technical words. Right, non-technical. I mean, those guys—they're nice, they're friendly. They—they they, um, people enjoy talking to them on the phone, right? I mean, I, I read through the tickets and you know, the conversations that we're having uh, with them, right? I mean, we really are building relationships. I mean, when you talk to an, an IT guy, you're and you say, okay, describe that person. You're typically not using the words <laughs> compassion, kind, friendly empathetic, funny, funny, <laughs> right. Um, 
but no one, no one also is not going to say that we're not smart, yep. right? We, we are, we're hiring super technical guys that understand what's going on, but that's just not it, right? Like even for me in the interview process, the first round of interviews for me now is the fact that I'm not even looking at the resume. I could give two shits about what's going on because you can write anything, you can say anything. And, and well, what was the change that we just implemented in the last round of interviews? Because we got tired of the nonsense of people saying that they could do this and they couldn't do this. What did, what did James build for us? So essentially James built a lab, an yeah. interview lab, yeah. <laughs> yeah, an interview lab. And they don't even get to me until they go through that you know, gauntlet and making sure that they have the technical side of what it is. And then they come to me and then we're saying, okay, who are you as a person? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and people, are, they're like deer in the headlights with some of the questions that I'm asking them. Right. Because I'm trying, like with you, the interview process with you, I want to know who you are as a person, because if I'm not around, I need to know that you and I are on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I think the books uh, are, are a really easy way for companies to do that. Um, I I think it's in order to do that though. I mean, it's a big cultural shift, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you would get employees, imagine, you know, employees like, "Ah, I don't want to read that book. I don't want to do all that stuff too. But anyway, all right. So the big takeaway from you and excellence wins empowerment, empowerment, what an incredible word. And it's part of one of our pillars, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I want all of the, and I would say all those guys are empowered, right? Okay. Kyle, even the new guy sitting on the desk right now. I mean, he's, he's, he's like, he doesn't know what to do with all of this. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, he's on the desk having a good time, right? Yeah. If he were to go to another it sport, he would be miserable. And he was, <laughs> and he was, okay. Yeah, he's admitted I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, <laughs> uh, right. The company that he came for was obnoxiously terrible, yep. right? Traditional, you know, sides of it. So, with that, I think it's interesting. On page uh, 174, the quote here is, innovation is often squelched in the name of tradition. And I think that's important for us to talk about because there are a lot of things that we talk about here. Listen, if that's what's traditional, and you read a lot of Reddit, yep. right? I mean, <laughs> you're always coming back with, okay, this is what's going on uh, in traditional it companies, this is what they say. This is how, you know, billing and, uh, support. Uh, we just had a big conversation about asset recovery. Mm-hmm. And the thing for me is I'm always giving pushback to you and saying, okay, well, if those guys have been, those monkeys have been doing it is, is it pro customer or is it pro it company? And we have some healthy, you know, conversations about that. But I think for us, we're building, we're trying to change the way that technology managed it uh, ITSP, I mean, whatever we're going to call this thing, yeah. uh, is changed because I think it companies need to be better because they're so de- small businesses, medium sized businesses, you know, even enterprise are so dependent upon technology that when that shit breaks, they got to have the confidence in the team that they're going to call And you know, as well as I do, we talk to everyone off the street and they're just like, our IT team is terrible. And the thing that I'm going to, I'll kind of give a little bit of pushback for that. They're, they're not necessarily terrible, but a lot of businesses don't give those IT teams the resources that they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I would say, we don't do that here. We got a shit ton of resources out there and we go through a lot of things all in the name of helping us, you know, complete the mission. Mm -hmm. Right. 
uh, we keep your computers and internet running fast and secure, right? That's our mission statement, which came out of this book, right? Okay, so what does Horse, you know, instill uh, in his organizations to help go through? What What's the ritual that they do before every shift? It was the uh, it was the debrief meetings, yep. wasn't it? Essentially, mm-hmm. like a like a post op or pre op. You know, it's probably what Jocko would call it. Yep. Um, but it's a kind of it's the same thing we go through. It's a you know mm. what's going on. and why well, did where did we learn that um, from this book? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it kind of is a you know a quick discussion of hey what's what's working what's not working and what can we do better and what do we call that? Uh, we call that our feedback loop. Feedback loop. Yep. Yeah, we're constantly analyzing what worked, what didn't work, and what can we do to be better. Yep. Right. Those are the three questions All the over time. and over and over again. <laughs> what else do we like about this one? You got, uh, did you take, uh, notes? Is that your copy? This one's my copy. Yeah. I wrote in this one a bit. Um, this one I think really created the whole, so actually I do remember we had discussions around, like you had mentioned having, you know, should, should C-suites or presidents of companies be able to call in? Um, and should we have a dedicated team to, you know, help them? And I think that discussion, you know, kind of stemmed around the same, you know, timeframe we read in this book. Um, in this book talks about, you know, whether you're the, um, you're working in the kitchen or like I said, a housekeeping, uh, person or working at the front desk, they all interact the exact same way. They all have a level of professionalism they speak with, they treat people with. Um, and that kind of answered our question when we were having those discussions, you know, should Chad or Steve call in, should we have a team answer those phones? And I think you kind of shut it down and said that defeats the whole culture we've been building. Um, because we're hiring guys that can do that, whether they have the technical answer, you know, they have a team that'll help them out with that. Um, but they can communicate with them. They can a lot of the time solve the issue. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is the empowerment to make decisions, um, when needed, you know, in, in critical moments. Um, and then just the, the way we handle ourselves, you know, whether it's me on site or Jason on site or, um, Kyle, you're, you may have a different person there, but they're going to interact with you and treat you the exact same way. Um, you bring up an issue with your mouse to them or the server being down and they're going to, they're going to handle that issue with the same level of urgency and, um, care. And I think, I think that comes from, um, horse kind of what we learned from him. Yeah. And I, I think, think so. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is right. The way that they scaled the Ritz, <laughs> right. I mean, so when you go to one Ritz Carlton, whether it's in, you know, Chicago or Atlanta or, you know, wherever, even, a, you know, uh, uh, out of the country, you're going to get the same experience. That is really hard to scale. Right. And the thing for us is uh, we're not in the hotel business. We're in the technology support business. But I looked at that and I was like, OK, we we're, we want to grow. Right. Because I think we have a really good thing here. Right. And um, we're. I mean, obviously, we're continuing to grow, right? So the market is saying, oh, that's fantastic. Um, but we're growing with intention, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things, like you talked about horse, right? So in front of every operation or uh, shift, I think, they would go through their 10 principles, mm-hmm. and they would they would rattle off one principle, right? And someone would, you know, talk about it, popcorn it, and do whatever. Um, so what what have we done here to kind of mimic that? That. So every Friday, yep. um, we do a team meeting. We do lunch. Yep. You bring in lunch for us every Friday. I don't know yep. if people know that. Yeah. Um, so when we eat, we go over. Our what are we pan- doing for lunch today? Uh, we're doing Boise Fry Company. Boise Fry Company today. I think it's a first. I don't know. We've never done. Yeah, maybe right not. up the road. Yeah. <laughs> Who, uh, Victor was. 
Victor picked with James. Victor picked, yep, yep. Um, Perfect. But so every time we do that, when, as soon as we start eating, we go over the mission statement and the vision statement um, along with our pillars. And then, and then who, who recites what those, what those are? Usually it's the new guy. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there was a point in time we didn't have one, so everyone get, you know, make sure they're still sharp. Does on everyone on the floor know what our mission and vision statements are? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They know what that, it's important. It's just not words on a ro- wall. I mean, it's our damn North Star. It's like you know, the DNA of, of what Adams Technology Group is. It is. I, it really, if you're in a situation where, hey, I don't know what to do here, it's pretty easy to think back, well, what's my goal working here? Well, it's, you know, one, technology is what we do, not who we are. I'm going to be a human while I'm interacting yep. with this person. Um, and then the other side of it, you know, I need to keep your computer and your internet running fast and secure. It's pretty easy to make the decision now. Yeah. <laughs> if those are my, kind of my, uh, you know, guiding, you know, my North Star again, um, it's pretty easy to make the call in that situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, for most, you know, business owners and whatnot, it took me a long time to come up with our vision statement and mission statement. And as you know, it kind of changed iterations a little bit, but it was the process that we worked together as an organization trying to put into words, right. What, what those things are. Um, and it just didn't happen overnight. Right. But I knew that when I read the book, we needed to have, and, and I'll be honest with you, we created the mission statement first. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the vision statement for us is bigger than what the te- our technology company does. Right. I mean, my job here is to make you the best human being you can be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the conversations that we've had, that's what it is. Right. My job is here to help facilitate people to be the best versions of themselves. Right. That sound kind of sounds cliche, but if I can help you be a better person who benefits from that. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. You right? and me, my family, friends, friends. Yeah strangers, right? Everyone, the ripple effects are powerful. Um, so for me, excellence wins. There's, uh, so Katie Buck, uh, who was our interior designer for the new space. Mm -hmm. I, when I found, I didn't know she went out uh, on her own. So she's, she's in. And I was like, first of all, enthusiastic. I love that. But I gave her, I bought and I sent this book to her. And so she's coming on the podcast and we're going to talk about it, That's right? Because awesome. she helped design the podcast room. Now, I changed her design a little bit, so <laughs> she may not you know, like it very much, but the core concept uh, from hers is there. So we're going to go and kind of in detail about this. But I was in this, you know, for a company starting out or a company that's around and just knows that their culture is shit and they got to make some changes because they don't have a competitive edge, this book can do that, mm-hmm. right? But implementing the stuff that's in here is crazy. So typically what I do for the books... Uh, I just kind of go through and I write kind of what's the big takeaway for me on this book. And I definitely would say mission, mm-hmm. right? Um, feedback loops, right? How are we getting better? And then two, leading is an acquired skill, right? You, you don't come out of the womb as a leader. You might have some traits, right? You might, uh, but leadership is an ongoing skill development. Always. Right? <laughs> and as I always say, you are the leader of one. If you cannot lead yourself, you're not going to be able to lead other people. Um, You may be in a management role. That makes you a manager. That doesn't make you a leader, right? We all know managers who are shitty leaders, right? Because they think that those, those terms are synonymous. No, they're not synonymous. Leadership is completely different. You can be, we have leaders on blue team that are not in leadership roles, Mm -hmm. right? 
but we're mo- as soon as we continue to grow, we put them in there too. So anyway, Excellence Wins, fantastic book. Uh, let's talk about your book is uh, uh, Packed Away in a Box, but yep. <laughs> let's just talk about the second book that we read. Uh, second book, right? Leadership second. and Self-Deception. Mm-hmm. What, what was kind of the big takeaway for you? Uh, in that book, that one was huge. I actually, I, I think I, I had mentioned when we read that one, I took a lot more away from that one in a personal way than I did in a work sense. Um, that I actually had my whole family read that book too. That's oh, you did. My, yeah. So my dad read it, my mom oh, read it and my sister. No shit. Um, so I really liked that one, but I, so there's, I think the biggest takeaway is you're going to run into speed bumps or any kind of pro problems, challenges, you know, like whatever challenges, you want to call them, whatever yeah. you want to call them. Um, and it's really hard when you hit those situations to not think about your side of it. So, you know, I'm trying to get to work and someone cuts me off and mm. runs me off the road, right? You're in your head. I just got cut off. I'm, you know, I just had to drive off the side of the road. Now I'm late to work. Um, in this book kind of details the situation of not necessarily thinking, um, Hey, what are they going through? Or what are they also trying to accomplish? But just kind of the, what can I control from this situation? Um, right. um, what, what can I do to make this better for both of us rather than, you know, getting pissed off, speeding up behind them, honking your horn. Um, it really goes over, you know, how do I help the person on the other side of the conflict, whatever the challenge, um, how do I, how do I help them almost? (laughs) It's, it's really, there's a lot to it, but it's getting out of your own, um, head, I guess, in, in most Well, they call it the box. The box. Right. The box in, in the book. The thing that that's interesting to me about this book is it's in storybook form, mm-hmm. right? So it's uh, some it's based on true story, uh, with some you know the names have been changed and whatnot. But the the big word that comes out of here for me is em- empathy, mm-hmm. right? So this is this is what's happening. This is what happened, right? The event is the event, right? What what creates the emotion is the trigger, right? And how you either react or respond, right? Mm-hmm. Justin talked about that. Uh, on the podcast with him, oh, really? right? As one of his, you know, kind of big takeaways, right? I think everyone on our floor, right, understands the difference between reacting and responding, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's a learn. That's a skill, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are even you know times today. I'm not perfect about that. I I will react, but the thing for me is the fact that I'm now I know when I react, and now I get to go through and just you know remedy it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think reaction versus response was huge in this book. Yeah, and it, it, the bigger part, I mean, I react a lot. <laughs> I'm still working on it, but uh, something I think that's interesting. It doesn't tell you not to react. And so so you react a lot. Yep. Okay, fair enough. But but now you're aware. Yep. So now you can work on it. Yeah, and I analyze it now. So if you can tell when you react, maybe not right in the moment, but there's that feeling once you settle down and go, oh, well, that was... You know, you got fired up or you took something the wrong way, whatever right. it is. Um, but now even, yeah, just reading the book, even in those situations where maybe you don't respond when you could have, um, you then have the kind of after the fact to think, oh, well, this situation arises again. I know what not to do or what I can do better. Um, it just makes you think about it. It makes you see the, the flaw or whatever it yeah. is for what yeah. it is. Right. And then you put through your feedback loop, right? What worked, what didn't work, what can I do better? I think, you know, kind of the next level, which, which we kind of talk about is, okay, so what are my triggers, right? What, what are the triggers that I know, like for me, blame, mm-hmm. right? If you want to, if you're going to come at me, you're going to blame something for me, you're going to get the wrath of fire. 
Um, and because that's just my normal, you know, response and, or sorry, reaction. Um, so understanding us as individuals and everyone has different, you know, triggers. Um, and then what happens, you know, when we do get triggered, right. And, and kind of controlling that and making sure. And the thing about it is, is the response or the emotion that you're feeling is not wrong. Right. What makes it wrong is, you know, you being the, the, you know, jerk on the other side and and saying shit that you probably are going to regret versus, you know, sitting back and taking it all in. And then what, what's one of the things that you do when, and the guys, you know, take a lot of heat, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, think of it. They're not taking phone calls or like, Hey, every, you know, everything's great. They're like taking calls from people that are stressed out that they're trying to run payroll and the damn printer won't work or their internet's down and they're trying to get, you know, uh, you know, stuff accomplished. Those are high stress situations. Yeah. (laughs) So for you, what, when you know that you're kind of being triggered, right? Someone, something has happened in the office. What do you do, uh, to calm that and make sure that you're not going to react and respond? It varies. I think in different situations, um, one thing, you know, when it's, really heated or you know more heated than normal there's always the take a walk get a lap and get some thoughts you know kind of i think a lot of people when they react or something triggers them um they don't take time to think about Mm -hmm. it um i recognize when my heart rate raises my face gets red so So there so that most people don't understand there's a physical reaction to that emotion yep there's something um so big thing is, is just being able to acknowledge it and then okay I'm feeling this way, but that's because of this. Now let's look at it from a neutral perspective. Um, mm. Kind of pull yourself up out of the, the firing line, you know, right. um, one way to put it. Um, and then it kind of helps you process, okay, now that I understand this is a reaction, um, what is the best way to handle this moving forward? So slowing down is probably the, the simple way to put that. Um, you know, I, I, I told the guys that a lot on the desk is, hey, when you're in these high-stress situations, slow it down. Um, step by step think of what's what's going on why are you feeling this way um and i I think it's important especially you know no one calls it when stuff's working no i'm telling you (laughs) we and that's something i kind of the first two years working here i told justin we we deal with people when something's wrong that you know um it's the same this is a this is a stretch of comparison but when you go in to see a nurse whether it's for an injury you're not feeling good most nurses all have that same kind of care um and empathy and the way they interact with you, right? Um, I'm not comparing us to nurses or the way we interact with our clients, but it is that same thing. Hey, you're reaching out to me because something's wrong. Yeah. You're, you're frustrated or you just need to get something done. Um, and I think if you remember that, it makes those situations that are a little more tense, a lot easier to respond. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of that thought process. Of, okay. My heart rate's raising. Why is that? They're a little frustrated. I'd be frustrated too. Right. What's the, so let's talk about our customer service pillar. What are, what are the, the, the three components of that? Of the customer service one? Yeah. Uh, It's the three E's. It's uh, efficient, effective, and uh, empathetic. Okay. Empathetic, right? One of the things that we always talk about here is the fact that, listen, we need to be empathetic to our customers. There's our clients. They're just calling in to try to get a problem fixed. It's nothing personal against us. And, I think one of the things that we do a really good job is being empathetic and understanding that's what's going on. And I think our clients, in fact, I know our clients uh, love that, mm-hmm. right? Because our clients will just call us, you know, for stupid stuff. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? But they call us for stupid stuff, one, because one, we can find the answer. 
And two, we're really nice when we kind of provide the answer. Yeah, we understand. We yeah. understand why. Yeah, leadership and self-deception. So for for those people out there, for listeners, this is required reading going forward for all of our employees. Mm-hmm. Kyle's reading this right now. Uh, uh, I think Aaron is in the process of reading it. And then, oh, I think now that I just thought about this, maybe uh, Kyle and I will have we'll sit here on the podcast and we'll go over this book together because uh, every employee has to go through this, yeah. right? Because if you can't embrace this or you're going to struggle with this, you're not going to make it here because you're not going to fit the culture. Yeah, because I, I think it's personal. I think that book hits a personal part of people, and I think it's a big telltale whether they can, uh, like I said, not not immediately start to correct things, but just understand why that's important. <laughs> yeah. And how we work together, right? Justin will always talk about, listen, we serve two, two customers, right? Or two clients are internal, right? Mm-hmm. Each other first and foremost, right? If we can't be respectful to each other, we're not going to be respectful to our customers. Right. And I think there's a lot of people that, that run two faced organizations, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and we, we can go down that rat hole, uh, and talk about organizational alignment and whatnot. But, um, Reacting versus responding, you know, part two. I mean, that's that's kind of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's probably the big takeaway for me. And there's a lot of acquired skills that come out of this too. So um, I did not know that you had your family read that book. Yep, they, they all read and it. And what was their what was their feedback? So my dad really liked it. So the first person I had to read it was my dad because he reads these books quite a bit. Um, and he is in a pretty large leadership role with the state. Um, yep. And he... He's very analytical. We, we're similar, but he, uh, he kind of told me it's good for me to remember that there's another side of things, um, that I have, you know, ways you want things done or, you know, templates put in place, but there's always the other side of it. There's something else. There's the person and then there's the thing. Um, and what was cool is when we had my sister read it, she was going through some stuff, um, personally Mm -hmm. actually with a breakup. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that's boyfriends are killers. Boyfriends are killers. Um, but it kind of helped her step away from the, well, you know, woe is me, you know, victim. Show, yeah. Victim, victim. mentality yep. and kind of help her kind of see what she could do moving forward. Um, they, they all loved it. It was, it was, it was pretty cool that they actually read it. <laughs> Good for you. And, and I think that that's just one of the powerful things is the fact that that's the ripple effect, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how, how is this book going to make, you know, shows a better human being, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you can be a better human being, everyone benefits from that. And me, you know, sitting in a leadership role is a fact that that is really at the end of the day, what my job is, right? Yeah. Creating a culture and environment for you guys to flourish, right? Technically and non-technically, right? We can also talk about, you know, the technically and the continuing education and all the stuff that we can do here. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you really think about what we do, anyone can go get a watch guard firewall. Mm-hmm. Anyone can go to Amazon and get a ubiquity access point, right? You can go get a computer in, in a, a million different places, but that's not why business people are, our clients are doing business with us. Mm. It's how we handle them. We answer every phone call within three rings and respond to every ticket in 29 minutes, right? And we're scaling the shit out of that right now, right? Yeah. People, people, I mean, that think that's real easy to do, right? You and I both know. No. <laughs> the operational stuff that we've that we put together to make that happen to scale uh, is really powerful. Okay, let's talk about the third book. Lastly, um, this is My this book. is yep, this is your book. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about 
um, how you or how we read this together, team. Take us through the format of uh, how how you took us, uh, you know, kind of through that. Yeah. So uh, first, you told me, "Hey, I think the next book we read, I'm going to have you pick it. I'm going to mm. have you lead the discussions on it." Yeah. Um, so I had actually been doing a lot of reading into Jocko's stuff um, online, um, and then I had family reach out to me and say I might like his stuff. Um, and I told you, well, I want to read Extreme Ownership. I've heard good things about it. So what we did is we'd, we'd kind of, depending on how long the chapters were, we'd get the guys together and say, hey, next Monday we're going to have read chapter one, chapter two. We're going to have a discussion about it. Um, and then, so, so, so take us through the discussion. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, I'd essentially say, hey, this chapter, I think this is what they were trying to get across. This is how I think it relates to us as an organization. And then I, I like to try and say, this is also how I think it relates to me as a person. Um, cause I think it's important to see that there's, there's a personal side in the business side to it. Um, and it would just open up discussions. You know, a lot of the time we'd have ongoing things that a chapter would hit right on the head. Mm. Hey, we're struggling with this. We can't figure out the best way to navigate this. And, you know, you know, sure enough, that chapter that week was dealing with something similar. Um, so it, it was just open conversations where I'd say, Hey, I took this away from this chapter. What did you think? You know, Hey, do you think that's something we run into at Smattertech? Why, why do you think it was important to get feedback from the rest of the team? Um, because I think everyone has different experiences that yeah. bring, you know, a different light onto what we're, what we're reading, what we're learning. Yeah, shit. I mean, I, I got a lot of notes in here, and I got notes. I, I think I told you this, right? I was taking notes, f- that my thoughts, in one color, and then I was taking the team's thoughts, you know, in a different color, yeah, no, because I, I'm like, shit, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, and that, that's the perspective. I guess that's probably the best way to put it is, you know, I think, oh, this is what this means. This is what they're trying to get across. And then we start talking about it. And Jeremy is actually like, this is what I, you know, interpret the, interpreted this as. And, you know, you, you never think to look at it from his perspective. You're not, you, know, you didn't have the same experiences as him. And all of a sudden it means 10 times more than it did. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, so we would give basically a team uh, a week to read one or two chapters, depending on how long the chapter was, right? Mm-hmm. And then on Monday at like four o'clock, we kind of try to wrap up. We'd sit around the table, and what would go on this popcorn, yeah. you know, conversation would just go on, right? Yes, yes some, you know, there's times. Did I, everyone participate? Uh, yes, I think everyone that, uh, yeah, I think everyone participated. Yeah, there was always something. Uh, that people could, you know, kind of relate to both from a professional standpoint and, you know, from a personal, personal standpoint. I want to say after that first one, it wasn't me starting the conversations. You know, I started, Hey, this first chapter, this is what I, you know, thought what I kind of took from it. And then that next week it was Jason, you know, I actually really like this. I, I use this at home with, you know, with, uh, my roommate or whatnot. And then it was Jeremy next week. And then it kind of just, <laughs> uh, the discussions would lead themselves because people, wanted to get better so i think when they'd read it they were actually finding things they enjoyed yeah it made it easy on me (laughs) yeah and i think people you know generally want to be you know kind of better do you think it helped the fact that everyone was kind of reading it together so they could all relate to it you know together absolutely yeah i think uh one for accountability you don't want to be the guy that said oh i forgot to read this week Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but then just the I think everyone here has some kind of relationship um, that they're genuinely interested to hear what, what someone else's opinion yep. is, you know, whether it's to tell them they disagree, <laughs> right. but they can see why they think that way or to think differently themselves. So I think it, yep. 
just turned into this awesome discussion every week where we got to kind of chat and do you think it would have been different had we just said okay here's your book you got a month to read it and you know we'll set a time in the future to get down do you think that would have worked i don't think so i don't even think the majority of the guys would have finished it if we would have done it that way <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there was a lot of accountability and there was accountability because it was important for us mm-hmm. and it's important for me because of the culture Right. This in the thing for me is the fact that when we have these discussions, we get to really start to see how people think and how they feel. Mm-hmm. And once we see how people start to think and feel, we can then start being, you know, empathetic and we can start, you know, being a little bit more real. Mm-hmm. Because I think at the end of the day, some of our, our employees sit in organizations and it's pretty fake, right? They show up one way to work to get through the job. And then they go home and they're a completely, you know, kind of different person. Yep. Um, that's terrible, right? Because they're leading, you know, two different lives. We want people to come here. I, you've heard me say this before. If you have a problem going from your car, walking through the parking lot, through the front door to your desk, and you don't like that, what's about to happen, you're not going to fit in here. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I look out there, I listen to the conversations that we're having, right? I mean, more often than not, we got two guys sitting around uh, working on a ticket together. The way that we've got the entire floor is very collaborative. I mean, I was talking to Justin about this uh, the other day. I mean, how do we communicate to our clients about how much work we put into completing the mission? It's hard. It's hard. You have to see it. <laughs> you have to see it. So that's why we, that's one of the reasons why we got the new office, mm-hmm. right? Because in our old office, we were packed in like sardines, right? That served its purpose. But to be honest with you, the other thing is we were there for a long time because I couldn't find the space that was going to be a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And would you say that this culture, this space is in alignment with, with what our vision is for our culture? Absolutely. I think when you, fi- when I finally saw it for the first time, I said, oh, you couldn't have this is what we drew up on paper and it just happened to be here. Right. <laughs> you know, it was exactly what we wanted. Yeah. And we got to get a lot of credit to John Rodel, right. Mm-hmm. Who found us the other space and found us this space. Um, the guys at Thornton Oliver Keller were fantastic. Right. Um, and you know, the carpet, the paint, the studio, right. We got to give a little, little street cred to Trey, right. My 12 year old for putting all this together. Um, that was a summer, summer work, uh, project, his project. Um, so what was the big takeaway for you in extreme ownership? Um, I think the biggest thing with extreme, it, it ties back into your biggest trigger, I think, blame. Mm-hmm. So um, we were Back to the title. Back to the title, yeah. If we, you're not blaming, you're... Owning. You're owning. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm super blameful. I can be. I think everyone has, you know, everyone can be to a point. But we deal with vendors and other IT companies a lot. That's kind of... The way we operate, that's just part of what we do. Um, and I don't think that's ever going to be an easy thing, depending on who you're dealing with. And this book just, it was, it, it kind of opened up different methods of handling things. So, you know, you, you may not have the control to get what you want in a situation. You're dealing with a vendor, there's an outage. Um, but the way you own the discussion to the customer of what you're trying to do to get them back online or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and then you, how you interact with the vendor and how you relay that that information, I think, um, I think we do that the way we do because of extreme ownership. I think there's this 
hey, I'm, I'm not Centrelink. <laughs> I didn't take your internet down, but I'm going to act like I did, and I'm going to figure out what we can do to get you back up and running. Yeah, um, that's right. That's a really good example. It, it takes complaint. It takes the, uh, is it the three C's or the four C's? The, the, the criticize, complain, compete. Um, is it compare? Maybe it's four. It's compare is four. Um, and you used to bring the that evil, up. The evil four C's. The evil four C's. The evil four C's used to bring that up to me a lot. And, you know, reading this book and trying to uh, adapt what Jocko is trying to teach, you you almost take those four C's out of everything because it, it doesn't matter what someone else is doing. I'm not trying to compete. I'm not trying to compare. I'm not going to criticize because now it's my issue and I'm going to own it and I'm going to figure out what the what the answer is. Is that why we sometimes have long-standing tickets? Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, shit. I just saw a ticket that Jeremy's got. That's we're waiting for the damn vendor to come back. I think that let's talk about it real quick. I think one of the things we have longstanding tickets is we are are always typically waiting on a vendor or a customer to get back to us. Yep. We are people have, when we say we're going to rock and roll. I mean, we're rock and rolling, right? Our onboarding process is like money. We're turning hardware pairs around in, in twenty four hours. I would, yeah. There's more situations that we are getting the the device there before they have a desk for them yeah. than the other way around where they're waiting on us. <laughs> yeah, or or we're you know taking ownership of what the problem is, and we've got this ticket because you know me, I'm like, why in the hell we got a ticket that we've been sitting on for 18 days? Mm-hmm. Well, we're waiting for the vendor to get back to us to try to figure out what's going on, yeah. right? That that bullshit is the problem that kills the reputation of you know, technology companies, mm-hmm. that culture, you imagine what that culture is like? Not good. <laughs> it's bad. It's not good. Right. I mean, what's that, what the hell's the point of having a ticketing system? If you're not going to, you know, use a ticketing system. So, you know, that's, that's why we, so we back to the thing. So we built the space to bring clients in because I knew that they needed to see it. They needed to feel it. They needed to understand, like when you walk through those doors and uh, you know what, Ashley Taylor, when we we did not bring customers or clients into ours until we did Ashley, and That's based right. on her response, I was like, "Shit, we got to be doing that with all of our C suite people." Yeah, she loved it. <laughs> she loved it, right? And Steve loved it, and Jesse loves it, and and it's a, a it's a thing now. But now we're also bringing in potential. potential clients, and the thing for me is the fact that if you don't come in and you don't want to spend time with our organization to understand us, you're really not going to be a customer for us. Yeah. Because if you're just looking for some technical stuff, right, some break-fix guy, that's not what we do. There, there are a hundred of those guys out there. Mm-hmm. There is only one Smatech. Yeah, we are, we are unique. We, we are, are one of a kind. <laughs> yeah, we are one of a kind. And I don't just say that. I mean, we, we, have, we have an entire thread in our Teams channel that all talks about celebrations, mm-hmm. right? And those celebrations, which is one of our, uh, what if, one of our pillars on people – is we celebrate those wins, no matter how small they are, right? And that's one of the things that we do uh, in our employee meeting. So every lunch, every day when we have lunch, we go around the office and we talk about uh, celebrations, mm-hmm. you know, personally, professionally, whatever. And then we do mission, vision, and then the four pillars, mm-hmm. right? And over, and everyone knows that. Right. And so the, the celebrations are a feedback loop for us that the team gets to share with the rest of the team. Yeah. And, and it goes out to, and everyone sees it. Yeah. I think it's huge. I think there's just so many things we are involved in. It's, it's cool to see. How many organizations do you think are doing that? The way we do it, none. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's 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 kind of unique, right? I yeah. mean, it's it's kind of fantastic. Uh, we get a lot of just you know uh, emails out of the blue, yeah. right? <laughs> just hey, yeah. I want to say how great your team is. Yeah. Yeah. You get yeah. 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 You know, Rachel Brown sent that, uh, and we're gonna use that and kind of you know some marketing stuff for us too. So the biggest takeaway for me in extreme ownership uh, is check the ego. Check the ego. Right. I mean, if if you can't control, right, your ego is really, really powerful. And it's either working for you or working against you. And from a leadership standpoint, you got to understand that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think all three of those books, you know, kind of kind of play into that. But I think your takeaway on there is ownership. We own everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Customers are sending tickets into us because they trust us. Right. And those we keep those tickets open and we find answers to some of the craziest, you know, damn questions that we don't even it's really not even in our scope. But, you know, we we don't ever say it's not our problem. Right. We never blame CenturyLink. We never blame, you know, Syringa or, you know, one of the big things, um, supply chain bullshit. Right. Think about all the fucking people who said, well, we can't do that because we can't get material. Bullshit, right? So one of the things that we did was we tripled our inventory. Stocked up. <laughs> we stocked up. And and we were buying shit at retail. And people are like, well, people aren't going to pay the market, whatever. I said, it's not the point. Yep. That's a different discussion. If you don't have the product, you don't even get to have the discussion. We have the product, right? So one of the, the rooms, our inventory, our inventory is not for retail. Mm-mm. Our inventory is for when shit breaks. Right. We're not having to. So we've got a customer that's offboarding. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're changing IT companies, which is fine. Uh, but she sent me a note the other day and said, hey, listen, we, we're two weeks out on equipment. What do you think my response to that is? <laughs> In this, you know, we we probably have it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that the fact that if what, what how is that even possible? Yeah. What What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, we yeah. I mean, we have. Watch guards. I mean, the amount of inventory that we have, right? So coming out of COVID, all the supply chain stuff, we tripled our inventory. We took everything and said, okay, multiply it by three. I do not ever want to give the customer the response of, we don't have that. We can't get it because of supply chain. That's ownership, (laughs) right? That's ownership, right? If if you can use that as an excuse to provide shitty customer service, right? We that's not happening with us, right? I mean, think about all the damn cables. I mean. I don't know what these hardware guys are thinking. I mean, how many different monitor adapters do we have to carry in stock? Uh, we keep quite a bit. We- There's like six different ones. Yeah. And then you got all the links, right? I mean, all of these technologies. And I'm just like, can't these people figure out? It's like power adapters. You, you, How many power adapters do we need to have? <laughs> HP's got a power adapter. IBM's got a power adapter. That's not good for the environment. No. I but- mean, shit, you lose one of those things, it goes to a landfill, right? And we can go down that rat hole, but... It's just a power adapter. Yeah, it's pro vendor, not pro customer. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, ex- pro vendor, not pro customer, too. Exactly so, um, so on a scale of one to ten, how how important do you think? Uh, well, let me ask you this: What's the next book? Oh, that's a good question. I think uh, I think the one I want to read next is the is it the five dysfunctions of a team? Oh. Um, and I think you did. Yep, the five dysfunctions of a team. That's one I've been oh. told multiple times. I need to read. Um, that one I have heard really good things about. I don't remember who's the author of that one. Uh, Patrick Lencinioni. Lencinioni. Um, 
but I think that's the next one I wanted to read. You haven't read this one yet? I have not yet. Okay, so I read this book in the morning, right? I have a problem sometimes. <laughs> um, and they they did their assessment. Okay. Right, and then I brought you guys in. That's right. We did fill that out. Yep. So I brought. So I was like, oh, I got to do this. So I read the book in the morning, came in, printed off all of those things, brought you guys in privately. Had you fill out all of that, and I didn't tell you shit from Shinola what was going on. Just answer the questions honestly. Um, I don't have it here, but but it was understanding overcoming the five dysfunctions. We didn't have a dysfunctional team. Mm-mm. We had a badass team. Of course. <laughs> and, I, and that's what I wanted to know. I'm like, because, you know, the thing for me is, is, you know, from the president is the fact that I have to create my own feedback loops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys provide those feedback loops for me. But you know what? Sometimes you give me the bullshit about, you know what, telling me what I want to hear. Yeah. You know, um, I think Justin is getting better. James James just tells me the way that it is. I think you're pretty good about telling me the way it is. Mm-hmm. But you guys have also been here for a long time. Yep. The other guys, you know, Victor, I think is, you know, all those guys. Just trying to understand. I, I can handle the feedback. Mm-hmm. What I can handle is not the right feedback. Yeah, right? So Honesty. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, right? And I think presidents and CEOs, owners of companies, right? In order to make, and, and as dads and as parents and as adults, I think one of the things that we don't get is facts. In order for people to make the best decisions for them going forward in their lives, they need to have the facts. In this day and age with all of social media, with all of the news and all that other big sh- you know, shit, where do you find the facts? It's almost impossible. It's, it's almost there. impossible <laughs> to find the facts. Listen, I just want the facts. I don't need your bullshit opinion, yep. right? Your opinion is your opinion, right? I just need the facts, and it's getting harder and harder to you know to find those facts. So feedback, right, has to be delivered in the right way, right? Not only do you have to receive the feedback, okay, but at the same time, it's like you and I playing catch, mm-hmm. right? If I'm going to throw you shitty balls – you're not going to be able to catch them. Mm-mm. So I have to throw you a good pass. You have to then catch it. And then you have to throw me a good pass, right? It's a team effort. Yep. It has right? to be done the right way. It has <laughs> to be done the right way. And we also talk about one of the things is it has to be done in excellence, mm-hmm. right? So the five dysfunctions of a team, I think you and I, uh, we can sit down and talk about this because there was some really powerful stuff uh, in, uh, in that book. Um, okay, so we try to do two books a year, mm-hmm. right? I think that's kind of we did extreme ownership. We finished in the spring, yep. so we'll be picking a book to kind of roll out um, for fall, and it's we try to roll through in about six weeks. That's about about yeah, to read, about depending on the chapters. This one's going to be pretty, you know, pretty quick. short. Yeah, do that in a week. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We could do it in a week. Could try and do that. Um, listen. Uh, this has been fantastic. I think it's important for people to understand, you know, kind of what organi- what kind of organization that we're building here, right? And I love the fact that you guys love coming to work. I love the fact that you guys um, love helping, you know, customers and, and the challenges and whatnot. But I think it's important for people to understand that that's just, just not happening because of, you know, magic in the air, right? It's yeah. purpose-built. It's intentional. It takes a lot of work, right? And what I love about you guys is the fact that you love putting in the work, mm-hmm. right? All those guys out there are wanting to be better, you know? And, you know, it's just not the lunches and, and you know, all this. It's everything, 
right? And uh, that's been powerful. So uh, anything else? Books, culture, food for thought? No, I mean, what you said right there, I was going to kind of mention there's there's jobs and then there's, um, I don't know, things you do, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's always the, you want to wake up to make sure you make it to work on time because you got to get paid, you got to pay bills. But me and Justin and Victor, I, I live with uh, two of the other guys that work here, if you guys didn't know that. Um, th- that kind of speaks to something as well. And it, yep. it's been great. Um, we want to go to work because we want to go do stuff. It, it, it's the only other way to put it is um, you have a project pending and you want to wake up and get to work as quick as you can because you, you want to work on it. You want to help this person. Um, it doesn't feel like coming to work feels like I'm coming to, you know, work on something with a group of guys I like being around. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a job. It's really odd. Um, but, you know, I think that's why we're, we're where we're at is you hit it on the head. It's we love coming to work and being who we get to be because that's who we are in our lives. Um, yeah, I've always <laughs> um, I've always talked about uh, like Will, right, coming from, you know, IBM slash Lenovo and that shit storm. Yeah. Um, even Kyle you know, coming from his his employer, right? They're like deer out of headlights. They're like, what the hell's going on? I mean, when we used to buy lunches, right? Will's like, uh, who do I, who do I pay? (laughs) Right. I'm like, dude, this is, this is just what we do here. Right. And you know, getting me him, but I mean, can you imagine not having Will on the team? No, no, not especially not right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, cause he's up to his ass and you know, all this other stuff. And, um, you know, we gave him a lot of responsibility and, and, uh, he's been doing fantastic at that, but yeah, it's, it's unbelievable work. Right. And I think for me, the conversations that I have with you guys are the same conversations I have with my friends and the same conversations I have with my boys. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's just who I am. Right. I have a, I have a very clear, uh, you know, mission for what my life is. Right. And my is to help be help people be the best version of themselves. I see things in you that you don't see in yourself. And that's why you're in the position that you're in. Yeah. Right now. Does it take time? Does it take hard work? Yeah. Does it take, you know, you and I having, you know, uncomfortable conversations, which we've had. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's for the betterment of you. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, listen, I appreciate you, all, all the stuff that you've done. Um, we would definitely not be here, right? I mean, employee number two, That's right. 002, right here, low number. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just remember you walking in, and I'm like, am I going to hire this guy? I mean, we're trying to build this company. Now, mind you, we had our the voice side, and we had the internet side, mm-hmm. but we didn't have the, the help desk and the managed IT stuff. And I was like... I just felt really comfortable, especially after we got, like you said, got done with uh, walking with Doug, who's a who's a tough cat to read, yeah. um, and you navigating that. It, yeah, you're fantastic. We would not be here uh, having this conversation uh, if it wasn't for for you and your leadership and you wanting to be the best version of yourself. Because we all know it starts with you. I can't change you. Yep. Right. From I can't thing. change you. Right. We give you a lot of choices. Okay. Lastly, let's talk about the four pillars. Okay. Right. Pillar number one. Uh, network security. Okay. And the three sub pillars. It's physical, logical, and practical. Yep. Uh, pillar number two. It's business productivity. That's focused, reliable, urgent. Yep. And three. That is customer service, um, empathy, efficient, and effective. Yep. And the last one, which is my favorite, people. It's my favorite too. It's a uh, choice, empower, celebrate. Yeah. And we're not going to get into all of those, but. 
uh, there's a lot of meaning behind all those, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we just went through a, a redesign, right? Yep. Which Paris sent behind the camera <laughs> right there, helped us put together, and they look fantastic. Oh, they're done? Well, that. they're not done because we're still waiting once again from the vendor to get back to us to, to kind of get them done, but they will be done. That's going to happen, right? You guys have seen the prototypes. Yeah, they look good. I'm excited. Yeah, they look real good too. So, okay. Uh, Shez, I appreciate you. The books are fantastic. For all of you guys out there, um, listen, if you got to figure out one place to kind of start, I would always start with customer service, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the most expensive part of a business is customer acquisition, right? There's so much noise, so much marketing, everyone hyperbole, everyone can say everything, write everything. You, if you can't uh, retain your customers, you got a problem. Right. Customer acquisition is so expensive, but what's even more expensive is churn. Right. If you, you, and I think that's one of the things that, that horse talks about a lot about is customer retention. Right. If they want to be a customer, let's make them a customer for life. Right. And loyal. What? Yeah. Loyal. Mm -hmm. Right. We treat them right. So, uh, fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate the conversation. Yeah. Me too. It was fun. Yep. (laughs) 